You're listening to the Retro Guardians. Okay, now what? Buckle up. you ever bought or rented a videotape that wasn't quite right? <laughs> Groovy. Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. Hasta la vista, baby. Retro Guardians. Hi, welcome to this week's Retro Guardians. I'm Ben. And I'm Jay. I thought this week, Jay, we'd stick to something from the late 90s and go from something that was sort of a pivotal moment for you and me when it came to the cinema. Yep. So what I like to call event movies, which is sort of uh, stuff made for the audience, not made for the critics. Ah, yep. So we became regulars at the cinema around this time period. Yeah, mid mid late 90s. Yeah. So this one was a big one. This was a big deal one, and that's the one and only Con Air. Yeah, and it was one of those action, those movies I don't make like that much these days where it was a very simple plot, but it kept you on the edge of your seat. Uh, Mr. Brockheimer at this point in time had uh, veered off on his own and started producing movies just solely. He'd been with Don Simpson for a very long time, since the 80s, and sadly Don had died just after their last film, The Rock, which we will get to in another episode. But Conair was very significant because it really put Nick Cage up on that pedestal for a while of the big action star. Yeah, uh, he would go on to do several movies with Mr. Brockheimer. This was the first, the second film with them together. Yep, and it was as my uh, siblings have referred to. It was the last big film with a big bunch of memorable bad guys. Yeah, true, true. So we'll just recap the movie a little bit. Uh, it opens with him being a part of the U.S. Rangers, Cameron Poe. And then he returns home after a long tour. First time he's seen his wife in a long time. And three hoods get into a thing about provoking him about his wife. And when he goes to the car with her, they attack him. Well, he defends himself and he inadvertently kills one of them that had a a knife on him. And then the friend grabs the knife and runs off and he's accused of uh, killing him. And uh, he refuses to plead guilty. As a result of that, he's sentenced to eight years in prison for manslaughter. How does somebody get sent to jail for self-defense? Come on. That's the, that's the one thing about this movie that just never made sense in my mind. He was defending someone. They had it. They were armed with a knife and he gets sent to jail. Come on. So one of the things they did really smartly with this film is they used the tr- title sequence to go over the eight years that he's in jail. Um, he eventually gets released for good behaviour. He does behave. Yeah. Uh, we're introduced to his cellmate, Baby Leo, who's played by um, a very memorable fa- face, if you know Forrest Gump, and movies like Heat. And um, then it ends with him doing letters with his daughter. Yeah. And we see her age as time goes on, That he's, you know, what he's talking to her about, like first day of primary school, things like that. Yeah. And it pretty much ends the title sequence with him saying... Break out the the fine china. This baby, this got this daddy's coming home. You know, yeah, for then, her birthday or something. Wasn't yeah, it? didn't he have a gift for her, like yeah, a rabbit a bunny. or something? Yeah, uh, he buys it from the commissary. He's like, that's a bunny rabbit. Yeah. Well, I got to give her something, and either this or a heap <laughs> a toothpaste or something. Yeah, yeah. And the guy goes, that's a present. <laughs> and my dad, when I showed him the film, goes, yep, he's been in jail too long. That bloke. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 
One of the things everyone remembers from this film is the jailbird, which is the plane. And one of the things is it's a very memorable flight. Now, we're introduced to several U.S. Marshals as the, the film opens with this sequence. And we're pretty much told that they've just built a new new Supermax prison in, in, in Alabama, which is going to house the worst of the worst. So they're, yeah. they're moving most of the, the worst cases in on this particular flight. And then we discover that there's sort of like a, a Pablo Escobar-ish kind of character that's on the plane that... The, they're trying to find out some information from, so they put an undercover DA agent with him just to see if he'll brag about something that they're able to grab. And then we're introduced to three of the main bad guys, and they're very memorably introduced. The first being Billy Bedlam, yep. played by Nick Chisholm. Uh, Nick would also be in, uh, I think he was in Chronicles of Riddick, but this is the film that he's generally remembered the most in. Uh, he's always the bad guy in the background sort of thing. Um, I think he was in one of the... Um, one of the Mask of Zorro movies too. Yeah, but okay. This one's the one with him. Everyone remembers him the most from this one. Um, the next one being Diamond Dog, played by the one and only Ving Rhames. Big Dog. Yeah. He's, uh, <laughs> he wrote a book in prison called Reflections of a Diamond Eye. New York Times called it a wake-up call for the black community. They're talking to Denzel for the movie. That's yeah. a memorable line where we hear it. He blew up uh, a meeting of the National Rifle Association, and I'm like, yeah. oh, God. Yeah. you know, this, this one's done it all, which is the, the main bad guy. Kidnapping, robbery, murder, extortion. His name is Cyrus Grissom, a.k.a. Cyrus the Virus. Yep. Likes to brag that he's killed more men than cancer. Played by the one and only John Malkovich. Now, he had not done any big action movies at this point. I think this was the first for him. Um, he's since done more th later, but this was at the time and how John looked. It sort of fit his persona very well, and it sort of added to him as well. Now, we also have a very early appearance by the one and only Dave Chappelle. That um, he, I think this is his second film after The Nutty Professor with Eddie. Yeah. He plays pinball, and he has a very opening um, mention. So they're checking all the cons for contraband and this, and he breathes on one of the guys, and one of the guys goes... The guards goes, oh, man, sounds like someone's shit in your mouth. And he's like, told me you love me. He's like, get out of my face. He's like, all right, all right, shit. And he gets thrown in there. But also one of the most memorable is the one and only Danny Trejo, who plays Johnny 23. This had like the all the guys in the background, the, every one of them. As soon as you see them, even if you don't know their character, yeah. you know the type of character. And you know them from other movies, yeah. Yeah, I believe one of the main guys from Sons of Anarchy that was played Marcus in the Mayans is actually in the background with him in certain scenes too. All the guys are covered, in, half of them are covered in tats and that. So you really know all these bad guys. And like I said, they didn't really do this ever again after this, which no. was a shame. So, of course, typical plot, like Jay said, uh, Cameron Poe is just hitching a ride. He's a nobody. He's nothing important. He's just hitching a ride, and he's going to be sent to his original prison and then released on parole. His his partner in crime, Babio, is also being sent to another prison. He's a diabetic, and he needs a shot. Well, he didn't get it when he left the prison. They said they'd give it to him on the plane. That becomes a major plot point. Yes. We're introduced to the only female prison guard that I've seen on one of these situations ever, the one and only guard bishop. Played by Rachel Tuller. I hope I say her name right. Rachel was in the original Total Recall with Arnold back in 1990. And she was also in Man on Fire with Denzel in 2004. Another lady that's very memorable as soon as you see her. How many guards did they have on the plane? It was about 10 to 12. Yeah. It was maybe just over as well. And there was two pilots. 
Yeah. So plane takes off, prisoners get loose, all hell breaks loose, they take the plane. We find out that they've been hired by said, uh, like I said, Pablo Escobar type yeah. that's going to be at the next pickup. And then we're also introduced to the one and only Cartland Green, who's said to be the worst mass murderer in the, since Manson. And it's played by the one and only Steve Buscemi. As soon as my father seen this, he's like, what the fuck yeah, is I know. this? <laughs> as soon as he sees him, what the fuck? Oh, and he's completely done up like Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, His yeah. hands are tied, the whole thing. Buscemi's good at playing a fucking lunatic, though. He, he's uh, a character actor, a man of a thousand faces. Yeah, he's done it all. The Marietta Ra- Mangler was his uh, yeah, name. Yeah, yeah but the d- great description is, how he killed those people makes the Manson family look like the Partridge, Partridge family. family. And you hear... Cage go, well, he's on the right flight. Yeah. But there's a great scene when he first talks and he actually talks to Cage. Yeah. And Baby O goes, what's wrong with him? My thought, first thought would be a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a bloody lot. Oh, those, the whole movie is filled with lines like that. So, would you remember seeing this at the cinema? I do not. No. We saw, I know I saw it twice. I know I saw one of them with you. I know you were there for one. Okay. I know I saw one of them with my brother. I didn't care. I saw it twice. This became a thing at the time for me that I went and seen movies multiple times. Not all the time, but if they still played a little longer than like they used to, all right, I'm going to go see it one more time before it's gone. Yeah. Now, nowadays, unfortunately, some movies, they get out of the cinema too quickly and we're not able to see them like we used to like that. Yeah. But now, because of uh, streaming and that, and even Disney Plus in this case, they're on there regularly. So there is a great chance we get to see it. Now, how much was it made for, Jay? $75 million. I, and it made $224 million back. So it wasn't a big, big hit, but it wasn't a flop either. This is one of those ones that probably became more popular after the box office. I agree with you on that. It's like a regular kind of on, on the on TV sort of movie that was yeah. on there for a while. But like I said, you remembered all the bad guys. The setting was interesting too. So most of the film was not on the plane, actually. Most of it was actually on the ground. There's a couple of sequences specifically that you remember in the middle that they spent most of the movie on the ground because they had to pick up and drop yeah. off this sort of drug lord and get him to where he had uh, yeah. to get to and they'd get a new plane. But they discover that this drug lord's actually going to screw them all over. So there's a very famous scene when they're all on the ground and they're trying to, the plane crash lands and the plane's flying by a new pilot, a form also another con called Swamp Thing, played by MC Ganey, I think I'm saying his name correctly. Yeah. He was always a bad guy in the background, a hillbilly type. I think he played Roscoe in the Dukes of Hazard movie. I know he was in uh, Breakdown, which I always remember him in that the most. He played one of the bad guys in that. And I think I remember seeing him in Bruce Campbell's TV show, The Adventures of Prisco County Jr. He was memorable on that too. But um, the other one we've got to quickly mention is some of the cops. Now, the U.S. Yes, Marshals. The main one, Cusack, John Cusack. Yeah. I hadn't seen John in much in those days, especially in the 90s. Only a handful of things. Yeah. This and I think this was his, the main one I sort of saw him in. Um, Gross Point, Point Blank. Blank. Yeah. yeah. And then... I hadn't seen him in much, and then shortly after this, being John Malkovich and High Fidelity were really the ones I remember, but he did a lot after this. But he was in a lull at this point, and this sort of put him back at the top for a little bit there. Uh, The other one is Colin Meany. 
Now, Cole, I'd seen in a lot. He was always a bad guy, like an under siege and things like this. And I, I remember him from Star Trek. I was about to tell you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was in Star Trek uh, Next Generation, yeah. and he was a minor character, but a minor character that became so popular that they put him over the Deep Space Nine. I believe he made Con Air in between the gap on the off season from the show, Jay. So he was able to make Con Air in between right. jobs at that point in time. Yes. And Cole does a lot of comedies. I remember him in a lot of Irish stuff. He is Irish. But um, my dad particularly liked his character a lot, and we loved his car. Our friend Macca used to um, like him on Star Trek. Yes, he did. He played Chief O'Brien. But uh, he has this very memorable car that we're introduced to at the start of the movie (laughs) and has a very memorable ending as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the type of car, but anyway. yeah, it was like a little sports car, wasn't it? Like a convertible thing, a yeah, silver was, one. Yeah, but it was an older one too. It was yeah, a classic. Like, yeah, he describes it very well in the movie. It gets totaled, basically. Yeah, yes, it gets totaled in a memorable way. So, movie, yeah, they they get to their location, their first drop. They swap uh, the the cons swap costumes with um, the cops. And then we're introduced to the next lot of bad guys. But they have to. The problem is when they were taking the plane, three of the criminals are killed, and they're three that are supposed to get off the plane. So they immediately ask for volunteers. Now, Cage at first says yes, but then they won't let Baby O get off with him because he's black. And then they just, he discovers they're gagging all of them so no one talks out loud. Yeah. So he changes his mind and he swaps clothes with the main guard who was being an arsehole to him and called him trailer trash. And he pretty much told him off and said, don't say that. My mama lives in a trailer. And he says, put this on. I just saved your life. Well, they have an undercover cop that's also on the plane. Unfortunately, he can't sort of bide his time and panics and inadvertently reveals himself and gets killed as a result of that. But what Poe discovers, he's actually got a recording on him. It's actually a, a... a big te- cam, you know, I don't know what you'd call it, Jay. Like a wire? Yeah, no? a big, but a big one. It has a big recorder on Tape it. Tape recorder? Yeah, and he slips it into the, 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 the get-up of this said guard. When they're on the bus, another guard thinks they're all being whiny bitches, and he hits this guy, but the tape falls out, Ugh. and that's the reveal of, we've got a situation here, someone better call it the, um, the marshals. Now, while they're doing this, the character of Pinball, played by... Uh, Dave Chappelle, he takes the transponder off the plane and hides it in, in another plane nearby and he starts to talk into a girl. And that's my dad. My dad said, why would you do that? And I said, Dad, this guy's been in prison for probably 10 years. Yeah. What are you going to do if a girl talks to you? He said, talk back. But he has a really good joke where he says, oh, honey, you got the best eyes I've seen in five to 10. So my dad loved all those jokes. Uh, there were some really good ones. And I have no doubt probably Dave... Dave improvised most of his scenes. I mean, that's probably the reason they hired Dave as a result of this. But when the plane takes off, he chases after the plane, and that's the last we see of him. But when they're in the air, for some reason they're dragging, and Cyrus tells Diamond Dog to go find out, and he says, what do I know about landing gear? And he goes, learn. So when he goes to go underneath the plane, he sees Poe, and he says, Poe, and he calls him over. He goes, Cyrus wants you to check the landing gear. Well, I guess I'm going to get to see a lot of things down there, trees and stuff. When he gets down there, we find out that Paul Pinball got caught in the landing gear and froze to death. So what happens is, while he got a second, he quickly grabs a pen and writes on his chest the the, the field (laughs) they're going to. Yeah, drops it. Drops it, and it hits a car. But there's a great scene after this when uh, Cusack's character is talking to Poe's wife and daughter, 
And there's a great scene where he answers the phone and there's a great cop from another little town that goes, Vince Larkin, this is such such from this place. He said, yeah, we got a problem here with a corpse. It fell from the sky. I don't yeah. think he's an astronaut. And he goes, and what's this got to do with me? And he looks over the body, looks back and goes, it's got your name written all over it. Literally. Yes. So he discovers what's going on. The two others have already taken off with armoured helicopters tracing the decoy. Yep. He's trying to tell them that's not the one. They've called him an idiot and hung up. He asks the guys if they've got a plane, and they say, hey, you and me are both out. And he's like, i got to get to Learner Airfield. I've got 50 minutes. Yep. And the guy says, you've got a fast car. You can drive it. So he goes to his beat-up station wagon but looks at that car and then looks at the other guy's flash car and goes, hmm. I'll take that. Yeah, and that can, it can really speed. And that's how he's able to get to the... Um, to the uh, Lunar Airfield very quickly. Yeah. Now, in the meantime, he's called the National Guard. Now, the National Guard starts showing up, and the bad guys discover that someone's led on them that to being there. They've got another, they've got 10 minutes to get ready, and they very memorable scene involving the junkyard where Cyrus goes, considering my audience, I'm going to make this very brief and as quick as possible. This is the boneyard. This is the hangar. This is the is the plane. He's got little items representing everything. And one of the guys goes, what's that? That's a rock. <laughs> it's in a way. He's like, okay. He goes, the convoy, we enter the boneyard. We take out the first car. We take out the last. And then we fill it with lots and lots of dead people. And they blow up in the armory in the plane and discover that uh, Billy Bedlam's body is actually hiding in the plane. Because there's been a very memorable scene with him and Poe when he discovers Poe's been lying about why he's still on the plane. So that is the beginning of the sort of lead up to the end sequence of the movie. There's a lot of shooting. There's a lot of explosions after this point. There's a very memorable scene when Poe jumps out of a building after it's exploding, which I think was on some of the covers. And I think one of our friends had it as one of the first web yeah. uh, wallpapers on a computer we ever saw. Oh, okay. You were showing us that at that Who time. Who was this? John. Oh, yeah. And he changed the, the fire to pink and we were making fun of him about that. Yeah, right. Because it was paint shop in those days, folks. We were having a bit of fun with that. But he falls under a, under a truck, and we discover there's an old gentleman under there who's ho also hiding from them. And I think it was the elderly... I think it was Dab something, and he played the elderly Paul Hedgecombe in Green Mile. It was one of his last movies, too. Right. So there's a great scene with that, and he's like... He's looking for a syringe for his friend because he, the, all the syringes got broken on the plane. He needs to give him his, his shot before it's too late. And he asked the old bloke, has he seen any? He's like, oh, no, son, drugs will end you. He's like, no, no, I need a syringe. You know where one is? He said, there might be one in the fire track over in the boneyard. He's like, right, you just stay here and you'll be okay. And he goes, easy for you to say. You don't have to go for a piss. Yeah. So there's all those real jokes that you're just sitting there giggling the whole way through it. Yeah, yeah. So the end result of this is a one-stop crash landing in Vegas, yeah. which at the time was very memorable. Indeed. And it also is memorable because... And the most unbelievable part of the movie. Absolutely. But in those movies, there have to be a few moments like that for yep. it to sell. So let's have a listen to that right now, the trailer. He's a US Ranger. Highly decorated. Did a little hell raising when he was a kid, but nothing serious. He's defending his wife. Got in a drunken brawl. And he killed the guy. 
happen to you or me. After serving the last of his sentence, Cameron Poe is taking the first plane home to his wife and daughter. Today's flight is a special one. We're populating Louisiana's Felton Penitentiary. These guys are the worst of the worst. I see a lot of celebrities among us. I see 11 primetime lives, three regions of Kathy Lee's, and a genuine 2020 interview What you looking at, punk? Nothing, I was just lying on your cage. But one wrong flight. Stewardess, what's the end flight movie today? <laughs> can ruin your whole day. Go, go, go. What happened? We got the plane, man! Welcome to Con Air. Jailbird One, you are not cleared for takeoff. And nobody on this aircraft gives a flyer. The issue here is how the plane is brought down. Shoot it down. There are innocent people up there. He's got a little girl to come home to. He's been waiting for this day for eight years. What are you gonna do? What do you think I'm going to do? This summer, check your weapons. Take your seat. Isn't that your car? And say your prayers. He's got the whole world in his hands. From Jerry Bruckheimer, the producer of The Rock, Nicholas Cage, John Cusack, John Malkovich. Where are they gonna land this thing? How do you feel about the blackjack tables? Simon West. Thank you, and have a pleasant flight. That's still a pretty good trailer, wouldn't you say, Joe? Yeah, it makes you want to see it. If you haven't, it certainly uh, wants to draw you in, I reckon. Yeah. So, it had a really good use of music in this movie, especially Sweet Home Alabama. That plays very integral. Into yeah, Lee, Lee, uh, Leanne Rhymes, or one of the, Trish Yearwood, How Do I Live? Yeah, that was what actually was got nominated for an Oscar, that yeah. song, which was, was used it? at the beginning and the end of the movie. Yeah, Trish Yearwood, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So it was Trish's version. But the fact it got nominated for an Oscar, I mean, it tells everything. Yeah. So when they've, they're, just before they take off after the whole shootout with the, with the National Guard, um, a certain mangler had disappeared and was last seen talking to a girl and we're all oh, threading, <gasps> yeah. you know, like that, the whole bit. And then we see him walking back to the plane with uh, all the other surviving bad guys with all the hostages and he's carrying up Ken Barbie doll, which yeah. we don't know why, but he's carrying it. They get on the plane, they manage to take off and before Poe got on the plane, he tied it to a... A cement pillar, I suppose you'd call that, Jay? Yeah. Well, the boys shoot it off, and the rope shoots out of it, and it actually connects to something. It just happens to be a flash car that's hidden in a certain <laughs> thing, and it takes off, and there's a great scene where, isn't that your car, Malloy? Yeah. Can't be. Flying overhead. Yeah, and then when Poe and crew see it, they're like, on any other day, that might seem a little strange. Yep. So it just adds to it. And then the the car actually connects to the, the, uh, the, the uh, tower, and it actually hits in front of the guy, and he's like, looks at the other bloke and says, "When this is over, so are you, you little prick." And then we hear Sweet Home Alabama's take off, and then we see certain said girl, who we were all worried. Oh, about. thank God, thank yeah. God! I don't think I could live with myself if something happened to her. And then it cuts to him in the plane going, "Define irony." Bunch of idiots singing and dancing to a song made famous by a band that died in a plane crash, which was Leonard Skinner. On the topic of plane crashes. So three, the, the, the plane used was a C-123, uh, painted up in the jailbird library, livery. 
Um, the actual plane that was used in the flying scenes was sold to a private uh, owner, I think, a, a freighting company. Um, and in August 2010, that exact plane that was used in the flying scenes actually crashed in Alaska. I didn't know and that. And three people were killed. No, I didn't know So that's know the that. actual plane. The other one used on the taxiing scenes along the runway is actually now on display at an airport museum in uh, Wendover, Wendover or something like that. What state is that? Oh, good question. Uh, Wendover Airfield Foundation, apparently. I think it's in uh, Utah. Utah, there you That's go. not far from where they would have filmed some of the stuff in yeah. the desert for the, the last bit of the film and that. Um, everyone I've talked to that can quote one of the movies always quotes this one. This one gets quoted a lot. Some of the, so the, whether it's the bad guys, there's a famous bit where Diamond Dallas, Diamond Dog, sorry, not Diamond Dallas, goes up to the next, uh, Cameron Poe and goes, yeehaw, what's on your mind, hillbilly? Yeah. He's like, what was I thinking? Oh, that's right. Yeehaw. I was just wondering why a black militant, that would be you, would be taking what? Orders from a white boy on a power trip, and it's a means to a white end, my friend. Yeah. I can be in house nigger until we're going, but then the day of the dog begins. He's, and then there's a great moment later with Baby O goes, What was that? Oh, I was just talking to him that they somehow managed to put every big nut under the sun on the plane and managed to put us on it and then managed to let <laughs> them loose. And here we are. So, box office uh, didn't do too badly. No, I know it didn't. It um it cost seventy five million to make and two hundred twenty four million. It I, I'd say back. I'd say Cage's check for that one would have been ten million because yeah. the, the Rock had made money and they he asked for a bigger paycheck on this one. Um, reviews, uh, critics didn't mind it. Uh, as you said, it was made for the audience, not the critics. But most of Brockheimer's movies are made for audiences, not yeah. critics. Yeah, and look, it got an average score of five point seven out of ten. Uh, not too bad, not too bad. But um, when you talk about this period, this is one that usually gets brought up, especially with the Brockheimer stuff. Yeah, um, I think it was one of the better ones. I mean. Yeah. They went on later to do Gone in 60 Seconds, and that was by the same writer, I think Scott Rosenberg. He wrote yeah. both of them. Um, Simon West directed this. I I didn't know Simon before this, but he went on to do The General's Daughter with John Travolta, Madeline Stowe. He also did the first Tomb Raider with Angelina. And I think he did one of the Expendables, if I'm not mistaken, the second one. And originally he was going to direct uh, Black Hawk Down with Brockheimer, but Ridley Scott became interested, so they went with Ridley instead for obvious reasons. Yeah. But, yeah, this was the film when I was introduced to him, and I think he'd been a music video director as well. Brockheimer would always hire directors that were visually stunning. Yeah. He, anyone, usually if they came from a music video background, he usually went after them, especially in those days. And both Ridley Scott and, and Tony Scott come from that background as well with their directing. So that's why they did a lot of films with them as well, as a, as a team as well. When Don Simpson was alive, he, his first films with Jerry were Flashdance, Belly Hills Cop 1 and 2, Top Gun and Days of Thunder. And up until Days of Thunder, those movies had all been very successful and financially. But Days of Thunder just it flopped big at the time. And it took them six years to come back. So when they came back, they came back with Bad Boys, which was Michael Bay's directorial debut. They also did Crimson Tide that year, again with Tony Scott from um, Top Gun. And then they did um, uh, The Rock straight after that as well. And then, then that's when they broke up. 
But, I mean, Jerry went from strength to strength for this film. I mean, he went on straight after this to do Enemy of the State with Will Smith, also directed by Tony Scott. And then shortly after that, like I said, Gone in 60 Seconds. And then going on to do all the parts of the Caribbean movies as well. I mean, this guy doesn't sit still. <clears throat> I mean, it really was. And I think he's nearly 80 now and he's still working strong as ever. So what would you give this one out of 10, Joe? I loved it. I'm going to give this probably an 8. I'm agreeing with you. I'm actually on the same way. Yeah. It was a movie of its period. The humour worked. The, the action worked. It definitely was an audience picture. I stand by that 100%. And like I said, the bad guys. You remember all of them, even the guys that don't speak too much, just standing in the background looking menacing. Yep. Most of the guys I know were in other movies. A few of them, maybe one or two were in The Rock and even a couple of the films later on as well. So you do remember them. And yep. I mean, it's very distinct in that sense that you do remember someone from this movie. Even later, I think I watched the the, the first Saw with you, Jane. You said, who's the wife, Ben? What's she out of? And I said, I think it's Monica Potter. She was in for Con Air. And you went, yeah. yes, yes, that's where I saw her from. Okay. So that was only about you know, early 2000s. So, I mean, she was still very memorable as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember her. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with that, Jay. I absolutely agree with that. It Because of... Um, streaming now this film is permanently on disney plus so it's not like it's going away anywhere that's a that's the one the pluses pardon the pun with um with disney in that sense once it's on there and it's popular it's not going to leave anytime soon yeah um the ending is very memorable we didn't mention the ending i'll stay off it because i do want the few couple of handful of people that haven't seen this film to see it but it does have a very great moment at the very end is when they're gathering up everyone after the crash, a certain um, guard finds the Ken Barbie doll on the ground <laughs> yeah. and says, this is a weird thing to be on a plane full of hard asses. <laughs> then it has the lovely ending with Cage and his wife and it plays the song that we mentioned, How Do I Live? Yeah. But then it ends suddenly with a casino player who happens to the casino um, chief, yep. card dealer, who's actually the writer of the movie, I might mention it, Scott. Uh, Rosenberg and Scott's got a bit of an English accent to him, and he goes, "New shooter on red, new shooter on red." Does yeah. a new shooter feel lucky? Well, does he? And then it reverts to a certain Steve Buscemi saying, "Yes, yes, he does." Yeah. And my father, when we showed it to him, we told he was about to get up. We, but me and younger brother said, "No, sit down. You're missing the funniest bit." And then, <laughs> sure enough, when he saw it, he goes, "Yep, that was worth sitting in my chair a little longer." Yeah. So. Once again, Jay, I definitely think we've covered everything we need to cover with this film. It is a personal favourite to this day. Uh, as I mentioned, my forego, I've mentioned earlier about my um, list, which is now finished, and we will be doing in several shows coming up. This movie is in that list. You will find it. Yep. And hopefully we'll be able to do a few more from that list pretty soon. Indeed. Well, I'm Ben. I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Retro Guardians. And have a great one. See ya. Bye. Retro Guardians.